morning, everyone. Welcome to Zen Minded Men. We're your host. I'm Sensei Art Gully. I'm Sensei Vince Ellis. And uh, first of all, we want to thank you all for um, tuning in. We've got a lot of positive feedback. And um, Sensei Ellis had this idea for the two of us. We're, we're longtime friends and martial artists to come together and discuss a lot of issues and uh, basically talk about how we use um, our training, what we've used in our training to navigate through life. So without further ado, Vince, what's on your mind today? Yeah, again, what what are the benefits of martial arts off the mat? You know, we mm -hmm. I think most people have a view of, of martial art, whatever that art may be, and the physical attributes. But, you know, as we've been introduced to from the beginning, uh, it's 90% mental, 10% physical most of the time. Right. So for every one thing that you see, there's nine things that you don't. Right. And, um, there's a, a lot of life lessons that are learned in the dojo and uh, that, that you take off the mat and, and help you navigate through your everyday life. The dojo in a good traditional school uh, should be a microcosm of society. I agree. So, you know, you should be able to confront a lot of situations in the dojo in a controlled environment. And, and almost role play or at least apply those lessons mm -hmm. to situations that, that you're going to get into uh, in your home, in your workplace, wh wherever that may be. Yeah. One of the things, you know, we, we just after our first episode, uh, we, we noticed looking back, we were a little bit, you know, uh, here and there. So just trying <laughs> to tighten it up a little bit. Um, one of the things that I try to stress with my students, and I think just in general in our society right now, that that we're losing grips on is accountability. Definitely. Yeah. And Who's that, responsible for what actions? And you're 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 right because everyone is into the blame game, or everyone is into the well, it's not my problem game, or there's no accountability from from anything. When you look at society from from kids in school to to celebrities to politicians to our law enforcement i mean accountability has become one of those things where if you didn't see me i don't really have to you know own up to it and if you did see me well you know there was a reason there's a re there's always a reason you know remember uh way back uh the president uh i believe it was eisenhower correct me if i'm wrong the sign on his uh desk it said the buck stops here. Yes. And we've lost sight of the buck stopping anywhere. Now, as a parent and as a dad, and I know you're, you're accountable to this, to me, the buck stops with me when it comes down to it, the responsibility of the house, it's like, okay, the buck stops here. I cannot have excuses. If this happened, this is because it happened. You know, if this happened, this is because it happened. If I let this happen, if the heat gets cut off, it's because I didn't pay the bill. Doesn't matter the reason, I didn't pay the bill. You know, in the dojo, we learned that if you get hit in the head, you didn't put your hand up, regardless of how fast the other person was, whatever. You didn't follow the techniques you were learned. You didn't follow the principles of movement one, blocking, and then ducking if necessary. You let yourself get hit in the head. It was just that simple. In life, if something comes at you, you can't control what comes at you, but you can control your reaction to it. You can hold yourself accountable for the things that go on in your life. You know, and I think that um, society as a whole 
we're we're not looking for accountability in anything anymore. Everybody wants to point the blame so they can feel a little bit better about their their feelings. Exactly. And uh, again, going back to as you mentioned the the household society's different. I understand a little bit, and honestly, I think your household and my household are unfortunately not the norm um, yeah. because we both are in long-term marriages. My wife and I are yeah. going to celebrate our 31st anniversary. We just celebrated our 29th. So. And uh, so unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of kids are raised in single parent homes. Um, I was. Yes. So. And, and even as you said, if you take that responsibility as the man, as the head of a household. Now, some people mm -hmm. may think that's a sexist statement, but I happen, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Mm -hmm. As if you're in a house with a father and mother, traditionally speaking, the man mm -hmm. is the head of the household. Mm -hmm. I happen to be a, a Christian coming from a Christian background, biblically speaking, the man is the head of the household and, and God holds the man accountable according to yeah, his yeah. word. Yeah, you know, yeah. you are held accountable. The wife is held accountable for other things, but ultimately the, the man is responsible. of the family is, 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 it's on us. You know, it's on we, us. Too, we, we too are it's on know, us. Christian household. Even if you're not, uh, even in a non-traditional household and, and I, this, this plays out. As a man, you're responsible for the well-being of your family. This is true. Now, life situations happen, you know, and, and not life's not perfect. We had a situation with one of my children, one of my sons, where, you know, he, he had a child. Uh, well, he fathered a child, you know, <laughs> out, of, out of wedlock. And when he came to me with with that news, you know, we sat down, him, my wife, myself, and, uh, you know, it was a, it was one of the moments where you just had to get real with the situation because yeah. yeah, there was no changing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. in our mind, uh, this, this child was going to come into the world. And I was clear to him that, you know, in this particular situation, there, it, it, it didn't really come out of a long-term relationship okay so i you know i made it very clear i said listen i don't expect you to necessarily have to marry this woman but you will, you will, this child. You will take care of your child mm -hmm. you know you've done this and this is your responsibility and it's you know it's it's working out it's working itself out so his son's five mm -hmm. years old now okay. you know we get him he he's around every other weekend but uh all that to say this, you know, if you, we need to hold each other accountable, you know, right. you do something, you need to be held accountable. Um, taking that back to the dojo in, in the Southfield dojo in, in particular, I remember sensei telling us all the time on the mat about control, yes. controlling your technique. And uh, when you are engaged in Kumite or, or a, a sparring situation you know there's two two people involved and you both have responsibility and accountability for the outcome mm -hmm. as an as the aggressor i'm responsible for
for the amount of force that I put into that technique. Mm -hmm. And I'm responsible to make sure that it lands on the target in a, in the manner in which I intended it exactly. to do so. Now on the other end, as you mentioned, uh, the receiver, the, the uki as we would call them, the which, is, which means dummy, those who yeah, don't know. <laughs> to, to receive, the uki, you know, is responsible to do his part. You know, he's in a fight or he's yeah. in a confrontation, a sparring match. Mm -hmm. He's responsible to respond in like manner you know, to defend himself in an intelligent manner, whether that be movement, blocking, ducking, uh, any of those things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we lose sight in the dojo of control. Yeah. We allow our emotions to well up. We lose ourselves in the heat of what's going on. We get yep. excited. You know, there's adrenaline, endorphins, all this stuff starts happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's not really acceptable. It's not acceptable. Sensei, one of his favorites, his favorite, uh, Sayings, it's like your technique is like a gloated gun. If your gun goes off, that gun's no good to you. You're in danger. You don't need to have that gun. If I if I throw this back fist at you in a non-controlled matter, if I just let it go and I do damage to you, well, it's not your fault on that and it's my fault because I didn't control that technique. Now, on the one hand, I can say, well, you offered me the opportunity to throw this. Okay, that's true. But where it loses sight is when I lose control of what the outcome of this is going to be. You step to the angle. I step to the angle. You lowered your hand. I threw the back fist. I intend to hit you in the target. You know, most likely in the dojo when we're kumitane, we're going to have our headgear on. If we don't have a headgear on, we're going to lightly touch temple, jaw, neck, whatever. If I, knowing where I'm at, allow my emotions to get up and blast this technique like I'm in the street and I turn you into, just to, you know, to the common threat, and at that response, I'm taking it. I, I've got to own up to that. It's okay. I've hurt Vince. That's my fault. You know, yeah. we both engaged in this with an understanding that we're going to train together and use control. When I lose sight of that, now I've got to be held accountable for that. And we we don't see that. You know, you have uh, you got I got uh, my kids. One of my sons. They're doing the virtual, and <laughs> we got a call from <clears throat> excuse me from uh with the teacher. My wife got a call the other day. He hadn't done this particular math thing or whatever. So she's like, you know, of course, when you don't want to get the wife's upset, you want to get mom upset. And she's like, well, why didn't you do this? You've got plenty of time. And he's got excuse after excuse. And she's like, look, bottom line, this is your responsibility. I should not get a call for this. This is on you. This is not on me. We've given you, the, we provided the means. We provided the time. The teacher has told you the timeline. This is on you. You know, he, he wants to come up with a bunch of different reasons why. Just, bottom line, this is on you. Now, this particular incident, I just stood there and watched. I didn't get involved, but it's like, he looked at him like, you're right. This is on you. You're accountable for your actions, okay? I'm sorry, COVID have left this the way it is. I'm sorry, the traditional school is basically not happening right now, but each you're, you're accountable for the assignment you've been given. You know the rules, you know the parameters of it, you know what to do, you're accountable, you know? And you see that, you see it all across. You know, I look at um, some of my neighbors, they're uh they're they're young and uh, they're they're doing some interesting things but they're basically decent guys but sometimes they get a little bit rowdy and it was it was kind of cool the other night um my son had some company come over you know him and his uh my one of my twins him and his girlfriend they went out on a date their her mom it took them to the park for the social distance and they got back well my neighbors were having a party well one of them came out the door and i waved and a few minutes later he came across the street and I'm like, what's going on? You know, he's like, Hey, um, 
he went back in the house and he came out and then he came across the street and said, is, is that okay? I said, is what okay? He says, well, I, I saw you do the signal. I, I thought the music was too loud. I said, no, I was waving at you. He's like, oh, I thought you, I said, no, you guys are fine. He says, oh, because you know, I know that we can get loud, but, and I, I always want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're not going too far. I like that. And I told him, I said, I appreciate that. But see, that showed accountability. He knows that exactly. he's having a party. They can get a little rowdy, but at the same time, he's got a responsibility to the neighborhood and his neighbors to keep it down. To me, that displays great accountability. And you don't see that. You don't see that. You go to a store, you have a product with a product. You bring it to the store, they want to give you a hard time. I said, look, I bought this from you. I was counting on this product being good. It's not good. So now I'm bringing it back to you. It's your job to resolve this for me. It's not your job to blame me or be upset with me or come up with an excuse. Well, you know, these products, you know, you want to blame them. So now you want to say, oh, well, you know, this product, if you look at it, 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 it's really not designed for that. No, when you sold it to me, you made me think this was a come to Jesus product. Yeah. Now I'm coming it back to you. And all of a sudden, this is this is this is Cain marked and thrown away that you want nothing to do with. Okay, no, no. Where's the accountability for that? If you're selling something, you're accountable for the customer's appreciation and his use of that and his satisfaction with it. And if it's not, then you've got to take accountability and say, okay, you know what? I apologize. We'll refund this. Now, on your end, you send it back to the manufacturer and that manufacturer should be held accountable for, we produced this product to this specification. We said, this is what we're gonna do. Unfortunately, it didn't. We're sorry, we will correct it. But you don't get that. You get this party's blaming this party, that's blaming this party, that's blaming this party. And then ultimately it'll get back to the customer. Yeah. Well, you know, you obviously didn't know what you were doing when you installed it. You didn't read the instructions right. And if you do that and you continue to do that through every aspect of life, it's chaos. You get politicians. Every politician wants to say why the country is bad and why the country is falling apart. You know, Republicans, Democrat, you know, we touched on it last week. I, I've already told you uh, Trump is not my favorite person, but you're my president. So I've got to hold you accountable. Okay. Did you predict this pandemic? No, you did not predict it. Were there protocols in place? At one time they were. There's so many versions as to what happened. You dismantled them, they were dismantled, whatever. The bottom line, no matter it is, you're now accountable for our country's well-being. Blaming that won't help us. You got democratic pundits who want to take advantage of the situation. Well, you know, the country's bad because of this, the country's bad because of that. How many opportunities did you have to work with your Republican counterparts? But instead of hashing it out, biting the bullet, digging in, you guys want to, you know, you want to hurl accusations and blame this and blame that. Where's your accountability to your constituents? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and kick it up. Years, and that's, 40 years in office. Yeah. What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go on and kick it up a notch as we had, we had mentioned this and this is a touchy subject, but you're in the, you're in the heart of it. Well, not when I say the heart, you're in the area. I look at the Brianna Taylor situation. All right, yeah. here you have a situation, ladies at home with her boyfriend, suspected criminal, the police show up, enter the apartment, gunshot is fired, she's killed. I've read all the facts, I've watched the news, I, you know, and bottom line is this, bottom line is this, we don't know if they knocked, didn't knock, whatever. You've got 
One witness is saying we heard him say police. You got multiple witnesses saying you didn't hear police, okay? In my mind, I'm sorry, as an officer of the law who is authorized and trained in the use of deadly force, there has to be a modicum of control. When you knocked on that door, did you, were you clear? Were you clear who you were? When you knocked in that door, were you clear of who you were? Now, Watkins, the, the boyfriend, he claims that no one's, we didn't hear anything. We thought they were breaking in. So I, I, I opened fire. I said, who is it? Who is it? No one answered. I opened fire. Okay. That in itself, on the one hand, if someone kicking in my door, if I don't hear you yell police or whatever, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to use our, our appropriate weapons. But as the authority, I mean, 20 shots, 20 shots. And indiscriminately, you're hitting other apartment buildings. You do, I mean, this girl was, okay, yeah, you can, you can argue the point that, well, she knew her, what her boyfriend was doing and she chose to be with him. Yes, yeah, she did. But she did not chose to be slaughtered in her apartment because the cops came in and planned, hey, hey, we're going to be shoot them up. Now, I'm not saying that cops aren't in a dangerous profession. My dad's retired cop. My uncle's retired cop. A lot of our family friends are cops. I know the pressure. But they have always told me when you go in these situations, because we are in that authority, because we know that we can kill at the drop of a hat, it's very, very important to maintain that cool in a controlled manner. It's very important. So where's the accountability in this situation? The lawyers want to say it's here. The law want to say it's here. The government, they want to say it here. They're changing, you know, they're changing the rules. I understand now they've enacted the no, no, no announce warrant rule where you have to announce now. Honestly, I never knew that was a thing. I never knew that was a thing. That's some, that's and that's my ignorance. But I never. I always thought that you had to, even if it was just a quick announcement. Police, open the door. We're coming in. Even on a raid, you know, unless it's an undercover raid where it's specifically you've routed it out, you've assessed the threat. It's imminent danger. You know that. Okay, we know that they're armed. We know that Vince and his family have have AKs. A midi gun set up in a living room. We know this. We've seen this. We're coming in. But on a, a normal, I didn't know that was a thing. So where's the accountability of that? You know, even the verdict. So you, this man is, 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 you know, he lost his job. Great. But this man is charged with random endangerment of another person, of another apartment. I mean, come on, guys. You, 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 you filled this woman with holes. You know, whether it was intention or Okay, bottom line, even if you come to me and say, we made a gravest mistake, this should not have happened, this is what we're going to do. No, it's still, well, it was his fault because he did this, it was his fault because he did that, it was his fault. Come on, where is the accountability? I know you're itching to say it, so I'm going to let you take it. <laughs> My understanding of the situation, being a resident of Kentucky, uh, we have, there's a lot of nuances in this case that I don't think get talked about nationally. Uh, so here's my take. My, okay. this, is, this is me. My information and my, my opinion and my understanding of the facts as, as I've seen them or as they've been presented here. Um, you are correct in that the police were issued a no-knock warrant. Now, my understanding of the no-knock warrant is generally it's used with violent 
criminals when they suspect that there might be armed response on the other side of the door. So they need to quickly enter and kind of use the element of surprise. Makes sense to me. Like, like you pointed out, uh, in this particular case, there, what I've seen on the news locally and, and on some national cases, the judge signed a no-knock warrant, but there was some questions about possibly the validity because number one, Brianna Taylor and Mr. Walker, Kenneth Walker is by far the guy in this that is least, should have been least involved, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the basis of the warrant was Brianna Taylor's previous boyfriend, mm -hmm. who was a known drug trafficker. Right. Right. And they so seen they his her, car at her place. So her they place, wanted to they search had, her place. recordings of phone calls. And he was right. the primary target of the warrant. And my, I, they hit multiple targets that night in search of this gentleman. Mm -hmm. And hers was one of the targets on the list. I think mm -hmm. there was four or five warrants. I believe it was issued. four or five. And just, yeah. to, just to interject so, this, I also, as, as I did my research, they, they had shown that the no-knock the no knock warrant was amended to a announce an no. intra warrant. Right, right, they, right. They, so it was changed yeah. as well. Right. Yep. Okay. And I know that's, that's a, a contentious point, but that goes back to announce or unannounce. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that is a nuance in this particular case is what, what we call our castle law. And, mm -hmm. you know, every state has them. If you're a, a Second Amendment person and, and you hear this, you need to understand what your rights are in your state, in your area, as, a, a, as, as it affects you in defending your home and property. So Kentucky has a very liberal castle law. It's a stand your ground state. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have constitutional concealed carry now that was mm -hmm. legally enacted here within the last year. We've been an open carry state as long as I've been here. Right. So, you know, if you come on, not in my home, if you come on my property, you and I think right. you're a threat to me in the state of Kentucky, I have a legal right to use deadly force. Mm -hmm. So as far as Kenneth Walker is concerned, he was with the, in every legal right to have his firearm. It mm -hmm. was legal. Mm-hmm and to defend his property mm -hmm. from intruders. Right. So in this situation, um, the law enforcement officers arriving on the property obviously didn't do a really good job of announcing. So there is some accountability in that mm -hmm. aspect. Now they arrived there to do a job, mm -hmm. had the paperwork, Right. But knowing the situation in Kentucky and and the likelihood of, you know, meeting the type of resistance they were going to on feel. the other side. Yeah, yeah, I would want to be very, very clear of who I was as a law enforcement mm -hmm. officer coming through that door. So they forcefully entered the home. Mm -hmm. My understanding, law enforcement officers came in. Mr. Walker had already retrieved his gun. Mm -hmm and was moving toward the door when the officers came in mm -hmm. and he fired on them. Yeah. I don't know if they were uniformed officers. I don't know if they were playing. I understand they officers. were undercover and the, the, yeah. what I've read so, is they were detective. They were plain clothes. Yeah. They weren't wearing body cams, but that's yeah. under contention as well. So, Did they so have they took fire. One of the officers was struck mm -hmm. and they returned fire. Mm -hmm. 
they were firing back and forth. I don't know when the officer got struck. I don't know when the, uh, you know, I know Kenneth Walker fired the first shots. Then it was a firefight, right? It's, it's, it's a firefight at that point. Um, yes. Well, here's the thing. And the, the nuance, everything I've said is he fired one shot. Struck well, I don't, officer, I'm, honestly, I'm not sure. Then they returned fire. So we will, it's like, I would really wish, I, I wish we could get a true understanding of the report because it changes the narrative. If this man fired one shot and then you opened up with a hail of bullets, you know, now if it's continual fire, yeah, they're going to return it. So there's so many nuance, like you said, to that, that we just don't know. But let's take this back to our training mm -hmm. in the dojo. You, you bring up a, a valid point there, one shot. How many times are you going to let a guy shoot at you, Art? Oh, no, 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 I told back. you. I'm not saying that. If you, <laughs> you know shoot at me once, oh, I'm definitely shooting once it, at you back. Once it comes, you know, once it's on, it's on, you mm -hmm. know. And from, mm -hmm. from the officer's perspective, and last year I had the opportunity to do some, some situational training with, with firearms. Okay. Um, we, uh, we started a security team in our church. I was kind of heading up that portion of it. And uh, I happen to know a guy that, that did firearms training that works with me in my day job. He was a retired law enforcement officer, and he, he taught concealed carry classes as well as some tactical training. So we started, we, we did a series of, uh, I think, four classes where it was more situational based. Okay. Uh, and, you know, one of the thing, one of the first, the first time we met it, it wasn't range time but we went through a psychology class like a psycho mm -hmm. the psychological aspects of using a firearm in self-defense and again anybody out there that is carrying a gun for self-defense if you're if you've purchased a firearm mm -hmm. put it in a drawer or put it in a purse or put it in a holster and that's mm -hmm. as far as you've gone Mm -hmm. you're making a mistake right anything you bring into a self-defense situation can be no taken from you is. and used mm -hmm. against you if, if you don't know how to properly use yeah, it that just goes back to our, our martial arts training right mm -hmm. if, if you're gonna fight you better know how to fight yep. you know and um so train 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 that's all i'm saying train 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 and at the range you know a lot of like like my a lot of my friends and stuff they they're constantly at the range and they're, they're, they're practicing, you know, I had one of my buddies, he came over and um, he carries and he had my boys. I said, listen, guys, you know, he's familiar with firearms, you know, granddad will show you whatever. He had his Glock, so he pulls it out and he had, he even had the wife, you know, he says, no. So when you guys decide which ones you want to get, he went over safety step by step by step by step. He said, these are things that you have to practice constantly, unloading, unloading, reloading, checking to make sure that first round's not chambered, you know, and he's like, because it's a serious thing. He says, you have to carry yourself differently. He says, when you're out and about and you're armed, you got to, all of a sudden, you've got to ramp up your awareness to the degree that because I'm armed, it's going to be a feeling of, okay, now I'm ready. I can do whatever. You've got to make sure you say, you know what, but am I in my right to do whatever? Am I truly being threatened? Am I truly in a situation? He said, there, there, you've got to have accountability. If you're going to carry a gun, you better make sure that you are ready to handle the consequences should you discharge that weapon. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he talked about that a lot, and we talked about it, and the boys, they handled the weapon, you know. But, you know, again, and before, I don't want to come off as to say not understanding of the adrenaline rush, because I totally support the police officers 
when the one shot was fired, yeah, every, by all means, open fire. My whole problem with this is what precipitated that? Did you knowingly, not knowingly, did you rush into a situation which put this man, which puts Walker in a situation where it's like, hey, I'm standing my ground, I'm defending myself. Or did you exercise the proper procedures to do it? And that's the question. And who, who's right, who's wrong? We can have our opinions on it for, for whatever. It all goes back to how do we get to the point of accountability? How do we, how do we explain this to this woman's family? You know, how do we, you can't make this up to them, to no. the police officers, to the law enforcement, even around the country. There's always going to be the racial connotation in that. This is a black guy. We're going to automatically assume he's violent. Boom, we're going in. I'm sorry. That's the way our country perceives us. It goes all the way back to the Made in America film back in the 20s, where they depicted the Klan as rescuing everyone from the black man and the actor they used looked like somebody out of a caveman movie. And that is the perception we have of Blacks in America. I'm sorry, especially Black men. We have targets on our backs. Now, some of us are deserving of, of that kind of fear because a lot of us do engage in activities that are wrong, but majority of us do not. You know, I think we touched on it before how I can assume that because you live in Kentucky, because you carry guns, because you have that Southern drawl, which I think is cool, and because you have the acres of land that you are secretly harboring a white supremacist group. I can assume that. I know you personally. We've shared meals together. We've been in each other's homes over the years. We fought and bled, well, did we bleed? Yeah, we fought, bled, and broke bones together. Yeah. <laughs> so I gotta like pull that back. You know, unfortunately society is having a hard time doing that with us. But that's, that's it reactionary to, though, It's right? reactionary, so and you go back to accountability. What is the reason for that? It's like, okay, Blacks are perceived in a negative manner. True. Why are they perceived in a negative manner? Well, for so, so many years, this is what, you know, the, the racist regime, the, 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 whatever you want to call it, they didn't want minorities, not just Blacks, Asians, you know, to some extent, the Jews, the Latinos, whatever threatens the majority at the time is going to be viewed and put into a negative light, you know? So, where do you, when, when do you pull back on that? At what point does the country say, you know what? Yes, we were slave owners. And yes, we did not want minorities, Blacks, to have any rights because we felt you were second-class citizens, okay? It's time to move past that. At what point, how do you get past that? You know, if a person is racist, how do you change their mind on that? How do you hold them accountable? I say, you know, your, your child wasn't born with this. You taught your child how to hate. And now your hateful child just went and massacred the church. Why did he, did, did a black person indirectly affect you? Did a black person indirectly affect him? You know, yeah. I go and kill 20 white people. Why did I do that? Did a white person you indirectly in affect me? You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. What did you say, what? I said, cause you were in a Starbucks. Exactly, <laughs> cause I'm in a Starbucks and you want to get that non-fed latte. Yeah. So at what point do you stop saying, Hey, you know, society is has made you, portrayed you. At what point do I say, you know what? I got to be accountable for me. I can choose to look at Vince and say, hey, dude, let's talk for a minute. Where are you coming from? Okay, you're cool. Vince can look and choose me and say, hey, dude, okay, you're black and you're from the hood, but let me talk to you a minute, okay? So you 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 really can't dance, okay? And and you and you don't play <laughs> basketball, okay? And 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 contrary to belief, Vince, you can jump. Yeah. So at what point, 
And, and you know, I, I think everything that's happening with law enforcement, everything that's happening with these protests is a sign and a sense of, a, it's just like there is no accountability. And, you know, we're taking it back to the dojo where in the dojo, you've always said it, we were a, a mesh of all cultures, races, religions, everyone you, everyone, every possibly, I mean, we have, uh, you and I, we're Christians, okay? My church is non-denominational. I believe yours. Uh, Mine is too. Yeah. Okay. I'm, so we're non-denominational. No, no. That's how we look at it. We're Christians. It's, yep. God is, God is my Lord. It says Christ the is my church Savior. in the book. Not, exactly. You know. We had folks who were, uh, who were of uh, Jewish faith. We yeah. have uh, Indian faith, you yeah. know, uh, of Hinduism. Yep. You have Hindus, people who Muslims. are Muslims. Jews, yep. Yeah. You have people who or the African religion observed Kwanzaa and all of that, you have people yeah. who were atheists. You've got yeah. every, you know, one of the things I used to talk to Sensei about, and he says the two things, and he's uh, we, we just had this conversation not too long ago. He says, you do not want to bring up religion and politics. He said, because then you end up having to use your techniques. Because, and I, and I like his stand because his whole point is everyone has the right to believe what they are. And it's my responsibility to respect that right. So I got to hold myself accountable for respecting your beliefs. If I do something against you, then in the end, I've got to be able to say, this is why I did this. You yeah. Know? I can't just say, well, it seemed like, and based on what I heard, I got to say, I did this. I saw this. This happened to me. And my experiences, you are a threat to me. And I responded to it, you know, but we've lost track of that that accountability. It's easy just to say, oh, well, you know, he looked this, so I did that. Oh, she did this, so I did that. But yeah. what is what, what was the reason? That comes back in my, again, this is me, and uh, we allow our uh, emotions to drive us mm -hmm. instead of our intellect. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to our experiences on the dojo floor, you cannot. one of the first things we learn is that confrontation should not be emotional. Mm -hmm. Once I enter into a, a situation, whether it be a, a kumite bout with a competitor at a tournament or self-defense situation, I have to turn my emotions off and go mm -hmm. to work. I give Master Woods credit for those words. Just it's work. It's, it's not work. personal. If it's I gotta break work. you down, I gotta break you down because mm -hmm. you made a bad decision. Right. You're accountable for what happens to you now. Right. You know. I'm not going to initiate this, but you cross that line. Now I'm going to do what's necessary. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't like you or not that, you know, it's just, it's just the facts. I had to flip it's the, the switch and mm -hmm. here we are on the dark side. Yep. So, you know, again, I think the, the whole racism thing. And again, I'm, I'm a white guy grew up, in a northern suburb of Detroit, Hazel Park, mm -hmm. and never actually went to school with anybody of color. <laughs> so, you know, I was ignorant of, of a lot of things. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of interaction. I was fortunate that my parents weren't racist. You know, they worked in the automotive industry, so they worked mm -hmm. with people of color. They had mm -hmm. daily interaction, uh, but it all starts in the home. Yeah. No, it's You're not learned. You can know you can see that so quickly in children. You go to a public place and you watch small children play together. Mm -hmm. They they absolutely do not display any form of 
discrimination. Discrimination from this you is know, a kid. You, this is, is someone my age, activity. and I'm playing with you. Yeah, it is a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. By absolutely a learned behavior. You know, I always love quoting people, and uh, one of my favorite artists, Prince, who who I, I miss <laughs> I miss dearly, as if he was a personal friend. But his uh, one song, and uh, I love this one line in this particular song. It says, "No child is born bad." they only imitate their atmosphere. Absolutely. And that is so true. Children only do what they've seen, heard, or been shown to do. And it's weird because if our kids go out and act a fool to a degree, if we know in our heart, we've taught them properly, we've, we've, we've disciplined them, you know, we've educated them, we've shown them, and then I'm accountable for that. But if you choose to go out and do something stupid, now you're accountable because you knew better. I know for a fact you knew better. Yeah, to certain that's point, what's happening. They're but accountable if, for if their I actions. don't if I don't introduce you, like I take my kids, we always put them in situations with, you know, when they were younger, they were in a uh the preschool we wanted to go to, we found it. They were the only there were only two little black kids in there. But we researched it. We talked with everyone and we realized that despite this fact, the people there were were warm, friendly people. There was never any racial problems. They grew up around multicolors, you know. We try to put them in in activities where you're going to encounter people of your own color, but people of other races and creeds. There's always going to be the questions. And then I try to responsibly ask the questions. My wife responsibly answers the questions. So they've grown up knowing it's a, it's a twofold thing. One, they've grown up knowing that this is a world of multiple people. And two, they've grown up knowing that as a black person in this world, you are at a certain level of danger because of the, of the racism that surrounds you. So they grow up knowing that I have to conduct myself different. My boys know. My boys are big. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'3", 220 pounds. My kids are big. They're black men. They wear braids, okay? They're like hoodies. Because of the perceived image of that, they know that when you're in public, stand up straight. Get your hands out your pocket. You know, you cannot present a threat. You have to carry it. Is it unfair? Yes, it's totally unfair. They should be able to walk down the street, hand in their pocket, be however they want, and not be seen as, oh, wow, okay, what's going on here? Police officer, you know, you fit the profile. They should be able to do that. But unfortunately, they can't. They're aware of this. It was my responsibility to make them aware of this. Now, if I just sent them out thinking whatever, whatever, and a situation comes on, they're in a racial situation, they don't know how to deal with it, well, then that's on me. Because I've got to be held accountable to make sure they understand the politics of America. Now, are the politics changing? Yes. Slowly, people are coming together. Me and you are proof of that. Like you said, two very different guys trying to put a little pull a little positivity into the world for a change without using these, which we love to use if we have to. But it's my responsibility, just as it's your responsibility. I, I love that you went back to a situation with your son. You taught him what to do and what not to do he chose to you know do this and you said okay fine i will accept this but you are it's your responsibility he steps up to the plate you know he's taking care of his son so again it's your job initially to instill that once you get to a point it's their job to take what you've given them and that's where you again you go back to the dojo it was sensei's job master wood's job Master Maven's job, you know, Sensei Stevenson, you know, 
Mrs. Adams, Miss Master Adams. I always get confused with the caller because I say Mrs. Adams, but then I say, well, I want to say Master Adams because you're a master too. But they install, instill those values that, hey, you're in here to learn how to fight, but you're also in here to learn how to be respectful. You're in here to learn how ultimately to control yourself. You know, Master Woods always had that thing where when you're in a fight, it's like a dance. Now, depending on who leads, that's going to determine the fate of this dance. You know, yeah. if I step up and you step up and I get in there and make that move, or we dance in the mock move, we dance in the R&B. Now, if you get in and you immediately make the move and you take control, okay, then now we got to dance to country western. So bottom line, you've got to maintain control. you got to maintain control. You've got to establish that control. But it's a give and take, okay? At what point do you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to push, 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 push against this, but I've also got to take responsibility and say, well, maybe they see this because of this. So what am I doing to project this? If you can honestly look at yourself, a lot of situations you get in, if you can honestly look at yourself and honestly answer those questions, Vince, after 31 years, I know you and your wife, okay, my wife and I, I love this woman. Okay, this woman is amazing. She, she, she's amazing. Love does not necessarily guarantee no exactly. conflict. She's amazing for the fact that she, she gave me three wonderful sons and she's amazing for the fact that she puts up with me. But we have a saying that the two of us, we do, it's like, um, I always love you, but I don't always like you. <laughs> but we're in those situations when she's making the points, I have to, I can be angry, whatever, whatever. And it, it really makes her angry because a lot of times she'll be yelling for us and I'll just do this. I just shut it down because that's that's my training just to shut it down so you think i'm not responding i am responding by taking my emotions out of it but then at that point i'm thinking she's coming at me with this is this reasonable am i accountable is she right am i did i do this and a lot of times out of 10 you realize you know what she is right and my pride doesn't want it to be that way but my common sense is yeah i'm accountable for this so now i've got to change this to spark this reaction if the world could do that, like you say, if you take a moment, take a pause and ask yourself, okay, this situation is happening. Why is this happening? And am I directly the result of this? Did I do something to directly result? Now, if you can honestly say, no, I did not do this. This is unmasked aggression against me. Again, it goes back to this is a threat. It's not time for me to eliminate the threat. It's time to go to work, Yeah, you know, enter that. But if you can't, and honestly say, well, yeah, I could have done this a little different. That's what sparks the change. And that's how we grow, you know? And, and but, you'll not change the past. You won't we change can it. only change the future, right? We, you you, we have to learn from our mistakes. Yeah. We can't undo what's been done, but, but yeah. we can change what happens in the future. Right. And one of the tools that we use at work in, in problem resolution or problem solving is to simply question why, right? Yes. The five why, we call it the five why principle. If you want to get to the root cause of any problem, mm -hmm. you ask why at least five times, mm -hmm. more often than not, you'll get to the actual cause. Right. So if we have a customer return or a safety issue or something like that, we try to apply five why analysis. A good, uh, one of, one of the teaching tools for the five why analysis is the story of a king who lost his kingdom. So two kings go to battle and they deploy their, their armies down into this valley. Mm -hmm. Well, 
one king dispatches one of his generals and to bring in some troops. Well, the troops never arrive. So, so he's defeated and he loses his entire kingdom. When you start breaking that problem down and look at what, what occurred, the, the king dispatched his general. The general was supposed to go bring in other troops. What happened? Well, the, the message never arrived. Why did the message not arrive? His horse went lame en route. Why did his horse go lame? Mm -hmm. The horse threw a shoe. Why did the horse throw a shoe? Well, the furrier only put four nails in the shoe instead of five. Mm -hmm. Why did he only use four nails? Because there was a shortage of nails. <laughs> so for want of a nail, you the lost king the kingdom. lost his kingdom. Mm -hmm. But those small decisions or those small factors that we do every day have great consequences potentially and right. uh, you know you think about the ocean you know where does a wave start well, a tsunami or whatever right. it all depends on the topography you know on the surface it's just a ripple but as mm -hmm. it gets closer to shore it can be a great wave it gathers strength so accountability if if you navigate your life never thinking about being accountable for your actions right you're going to be a reckless individual you know, we talked about our homes when my kids were small and living at home and coming up. I always told them we we like to keep our family close and keep our family tight, kind of like you do. Keep an eye. So we and rather than have our kids go out everywhere or be with other people, we always encourage them. Bring your friends home. You know, our, our doors are open. This is the Kool-Aid house. Believe yeah. me, it's the Kool-Aid house. I made house. it very clear to my children that. When you bring an individual into my home, I'm holding you responsible. You're oh, accountable right. for the way they act. That's right. You know, now if it's extreme, yeah, I'll deal with them. But when I'm done with them, I'm, I'm coming with to you. you. Yeah, I'm coming to you. Mm -hmm. So you you better know who you're bringing into my home. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're going to steal from me, if they're going to disrespect my home, if they're going to mm -hmm. break my stuff, mm -hmm. that's not acceptable. Yeah. And I'm going to deal with them then I'm going to deal with you. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, you know, we didn't, we didn't have no instances where it, it had to come to that level, but you asked my kids, you know, they, they'll tell you, cause I was mm -hmm. adamant, you know, every, you know, can so-and-so come home, come to my house. Yep. Not a problem, mm -hmm. but you know, the deal, right? You know, the deal if you act foolish. I'm coming to you. So that's teaching them though. But they, but that is such a great thing because you're accountable for the safety of the family and the, and the well-being of the home. But by joining that, you're teaching them that they have to be accountable as well. It's yeah. multi-stages. And, 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 and that is such an important step to child. I mean, anyone, anyone can, 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 can claim to be a parent. Okay. You're a parent. Once you have a child, it's you're, easy to make you're biologically a parent, hard to raise you know, children. You're biologically a father, you know, but are you a true father, a true father, nurtures his sons you know i was told that it's the it's it's the mother's job to coddle the child and the father's job to break the child down so that they can be prepared all right i take that i, I take that very 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 seriously my wife tells me all the time she says you are so regimented with them you are so harsh with them but i'll be honest my boys 
I mean, my boys, I love my boys and they, each of them in their own way, we have our own relationships. They tell me everything. They never hesitate when they have a problem. Even my oldest, he's going through his thing. You know, he's, he's with his girlfriend and he's decided trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And believe me, my wife and I are disagreeing a lot on the direction. And to a lot of degree, it's, it's me. I've allowed him to do certain things, but he is making his choices. Okay. But he comes to me and, you know, dad, this, this, and that. The one thing I always tell him, dude, son, remember, no matter what choice you make, if it's not the right choice, never let your pride keep you from coming back. Because, uh oh, yeah, as your, as your dad, you know, I do believe that the men in the house, the fathers, we have to be that one, that true north, that one fixed point, you know. Again, you know, me in movies, yeah. I go back, uh, Pacific Rim, Idris Elba, he's arguing with, um, with his troops, one of the troops. And he says, my only job is to be that one fixed point that everything can revolve around. Whether you hate me for it or not, as, as a parent, as a dad, I've got to be that one fixed point. If something does not go wrong, I've got to be the one my wife can come to and say, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. I've got to say, you know what? As the man of the house, you're right. How do I rectify this? The yes. buck has to stop with me. As a father, same thing. As a worker on my job, you know, I, I'm, I work on the line, as I said, if I'm not getting that job done, it's up to me to figure out why. Now, this happened. Why didn't you get this done? Because of this, because of this, because of this. So that if I come to you, the foreman, whatever, and say, hey, I'm not getting this done because of this, this, and this, you better believe I'm going to have a detailed reason as to why I'm not getting this done. Now, it's your job as the boss to say, okay, you've explained it to me. I see this, you've shown it to me. Now it's my job to get it fixed. So my accountability initially has to discover the problem as you see it. Now it's up to you, your accountability has to help and we have to go forward. It, it's okay if you're responsible for something. I don't, I, don't, I don't fault the man for what he did wrong. If he yeah. did it wrong, you knew you shouldn't have did it wrong. I get that. Just what are you going to do to make it right? Yeah. Okay. I can't change the fact that our, at our first tournament, you won. I can't change that fact. Okay. You won. But what I could change was that in our future engagements, I was going to train hard, learn your strengths, learn your weaknesses, so that the next time you were going to have a harder time winning. And exactly. as a result of that, we grew, we grew together. We grew yeah. together. I couldn't, I'm not going to come at you in a sense of anger because bottom line, it was my fault that you won because I was a little lax. I didn't train as hard for that tournament as I should have trained. So now it's up to me to bring myself up. It's me. I'm held accountable. So now we've grown up, we've grown up and we're, we're training hard and we're, we're good fighters. And same thing with you. When you would lose a tournament, I could tell if you would come back from a tournament because I didn't do a, 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 um, all the ones that you did. I can always tell if you didn't do good because all of a sudden it's like, why am I getting, why are you throwing this reverse punch at me 50,000 times? Because you knew that this was a technique that you needed to work it out. I could always tell if something was, you felt something was lacking in your technique because you would just come and just work it and work it and work it because you held yourself accountable. You're like, Hey, this didn't happen because I should have been doing this. I was told to do this. I was taught to do this. I was showed how to do this. I chose not to do it. And now there's a weakness. There's a chink in my armor. You held that yourself accountable. That was always our lesson. That yeah. was always our lesson on the mat was it's okay to lose. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to lose the same way twice. That's right. That was, that That's was Sensei's right. mantra. That, that was Sensei's mantra. It's okay to lose. What I tell my students constantly, 
we win or we learn. Right. The only losers are the people who don't show up. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. And you got to yeah. show up, and you can't expect to win in everything. You can't expect no. to be successful in everything. You know, but my you kids tell me, man. They, they they teach me things, you know, I, I do my YouTube channel, the uh, the Rants with Leo, where I do my Leo voice and I do the, the rants. And, you know, some of my videos, they, they hardly get any views. But my son, they're like, Dad, remember, you started this because you like imitating folks and you do this. You're not going to expect to be successful overnight. You got to just take your time. Keep doing it for the reasons you do it. And what's hilarious is that these are the same words I use on them. Right. <laughs> Good, they're listening. But it's wonderful to see that that because I was accountable to try to teach them that they've taken my lessons and now they feel that, well, it's up to us to make sure that mom and dad kind of, you know, now yeah. there's varying degrees of respect with parents. And of course, you always have to smack them around a bit. But overall, it's great to, to, to take responsibility and teach your kids something. Yeah. And it's great for them to take that and go, because hopefully if more folks did that in a positive manner, because I'm sorry to say what, what, what we, we, you know, we swing it back around with, with the racisms and the hate groups and on, on both ends of the spectrum. If all I taught my kids were that white folks aren't to be trusted, it's just that simple. Then that's I, I'm, I'm creating a situation of hate that who knows what that's going to lead to. But if I teach my kids some white people are not to be trusted. Some black people are not to be trusted. Some Asian people are not to be trusted. What you have to do, maintain your dignity, look at the situation, and then determine if you can trust that person. Yeah. Now I've created a situation where it's like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go through life and I'm gonna look and carefully surround myself and carefully navigate. Then I will know if this is a threat, now I know I'm within my rights to totally neutralize it. Because this was a threat, I looked into it, it's a threat, done. Yeah. But just One, to assume it, you know. That's that's a great point. And, you know, bringing that first and foremost, again, back to our core, our, our training and what I tell my, my students, especially my teenagers and adults, you know, the first technique of self-defense or the best and the first technique of self-defense is not get in a situation where you have to defend yourself in the first place. Exactly. Right? Avoid the confrontation. How do you avoid the confrontation? By controlling your surroundings. Mm -hmm. If I choose to go out with, you know, my buddies to a, a place where they're, there's going to be alcohol being consumed, the likelihood of conflict is going to rise. Exponentially. Right? If, I, if I go to a club and I notice on the way in, I'm paying a cover charge and there's six big goonie bouncers there those guys are on the payroll for a reason right they're they're there because there's trouble and they're mm -hmm. gonna have to handle that trouble mm -hmm. so i need to know i don't need to be there right you know if i'm in there and, and something happens i have some accountability for making my choice mm -hmm. to be there the signs were there that prop right. you know i've i've been places where going in you know the guys pat you down at the door you got mm -hmm. any guns you got any knives Mm -hmm. It's happened before, obviously, or they wouldn't be checking me. They're they're, they're not there just because <laughs> they know, look good. Yeah, you know? nope. That's just basic business. You don't mm -hmm. you don't pay for things that you right. don't need. 
or right. there and I can honestly say there could be there as a deterrent because because they know that because I'm going to be serving alcohol because there's going to be heightened emotions from dancing yeah. because these ladies are going to be in here looking all kind of way that I'm going to put these guys here I'm going to instigate these rules so that I don't have that problem even then I have to say has there been trouble nope and this is why we do this so there won't be maybe yeah. So, but, you know, you yeah. have to, like you say, but again, then you have to make the decision. Well, this could potentially be something. Do I want to take this risk? Do I feel right. comfortable enough? Is this enough really where here? I belong? Yeah. Is this really where I belong? Yeah. So, and if it's not, then leave. Yeah. Then leave. Yeah. It be goes back to go back to our defense before I'm talking about perceiving a threat. You know, if I perceive a threat, I, you know, my training has taught me how to handle that. The first thing to do is remove myself out the situation if possible. Yeah, that's eliminated. But I do that by understanding what a threat is to me. A threat to me is anything that makes you uncomfortable or potentially puts you in danger, not necessarily danger. physical danger, yep. but maybe emotional or mental danger. There are certain shows, my son, my youngest, we watch a lot of TVs. There are certain shows or, or movies that that he don't he does not like because they 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 give you know they give him nightmares. And I tell him, yeah. I said, when you look at something and you says, okay, this is going to be something that's going to bother me. Do not be ashamed of that, no, because you're up. holding yourself accountable yeah. for your mental well being. You're holding yourself accountable to prevent a threat. Don't be ashamed of that. You know, no. same thing. I have certain there's certain shows that I want to I want to watch the Joker. I really really want to watch that Joker, but I'm a person who has heightened anxiety, OCD, you know, and with this pandemic going on, my mind is over all over the place. So I'm on a daily, I'm doing my meditations to calm down. So I know that, you know what, this is not a time for me to watch a psychological based program because I know it triggers, I know what my triggers are. So I got to hold myself accountable for my well-being. You can't just assume that, okay, I'm going to do what I want boom because like you said you lead a reckless life and then not only do you lead a reckless life you leave a wave of destruction behind you a tidal wave leaves a wave of destruction behind it it yeah. does it, it does you may and you don't want to be that tidal wave right you may not be guilty of the actions or whatever occurs mm -hmm. you know you mentioned talking to your to your sons and same thing with my my children when they were coming up and they started you know getting to the point where they were going out with their friends and being out away from mm -hmm. home with their friends. Mm -hmm. um, who you're with makes a difference. It makes it don't difference. surround yourself with people who are in constant trouble. Yeah. You may not be the one that started it, but, but you guess may be what? the one that gets the brunt of it. You, you may be the one that gets in brunt of it. Yeah. When when a situation pops off and you're there with the guy that started it, you're probably going to share some of the blame mm -hmm. from the people around, mm -hmm. you know, you, you brought that guy to the party or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, or heaven forbid the laws involved. you, you go out with somebody and in a vehicle and they drink and drive and there's an accident and maybe they were behind the wheel and you weren't, you were still in the car. You still have a little bit. I mean, you're not to blame, but you have some accountability because mm -hmm. you allowed that situation exactly. to occur. Unless you're handcuffed and in the trunk, right? you have some accountability. And yeah. people need to think about that. You know, right. you you got to really soak that in. And it's hard at times. So you take it 
inch by inch, bit by bit, right? You like eating an elephant, one bite at a time, and you start. It's like young. you say, it's, it's not a sprint. It's no, a long. You start it's, young. it's a marathon. So in my dojo, for example, in in my dojo, this happens all the time in my little kids' classes. Uh, people leave their gear behind or their belt or something <laughs> on the mat. Yes. You know? So my rule is, if I pick it up, it goes in my office, right? Mm -hmm. And when when we meet each other again, I'll give it back to you one time, one time. That one's free. If I ever pick up something of yours again, you have to buy it back. And you're going to buy it back with sweat, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be mm -hmm. push-ups, sit-ups, wall sits. Mm -hmm. You're going to give me something in order to get that back. The other thing that I am really stern about is having your stuff when you come to class. You know, yeah. again, more with my younger students, but, you know, you come to class and you don't have your Obi, you get on the mat and say, well, my mom didn't put it in my bag. Negative. Exactly. Mom, mom ain't taking martial arts classes. That's right. And you, you know are. the Obi is part of your uniform. Yeah. Mom is providing this for you, mm -hmm. but this is your training. Mm -hmm. You know, I expect you to be responsible. Yeah. So in 30 I don't know what, 20 something, almost 30 years of martial arts training. My wife may have washed my gi once or twice, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. not because she doesn't do a good job with the laundry, but it's my, take gi. It, it's my gi, my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if she were to ever mess it up, it would be conflict. So yeah. rather than, rather than have conflict, I assume the responsibility of doing it myself, mm -hmm. you know, if she ever, threw a red shirt in with my, you know, and I come out with a pink gi, mm -hmm. it'd be problematic. Mm -hmm. Or she threw my Obi in the washer by accident or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd have problems. Yep. So I just do it. It's just something my, that I same, do. Same thing with us. My wife, she, you know, she even says it. She says, I'm not going to touch your gi because I know it's important. So yep. now it's my responsibility to make sure that gi is fresh, make sure that gi is clean. You know, my gi, the bottom of no, my pant leg has a rip on it. Yeah. And I don't sew it. And people ask me, why don't you ever sew that? The reason I don't sew it is because that rip was a valuable lesson I learned from uh, from, from, from Master Early. <laughs> Year, years back, we were, we, were, we, were, we were, you know, we were fighting and I'm doing squat kicks. You know, Master Early is, is, is the squat kick. I mean, he's the squat kick maestro. And so I'm kicking and kicking and kicking. And one of the things Sensei always says is, you know, make sure you cut your toenails. Make sure that you're, well, in this particular time, I did a kick and I ripped his gi, one of his custom gis. And he stopped and gave me this look. I knew I was about to get hurt. Right then, Master Wood said, okay, us, everybody, line up. So I was excited. I'm going to get out of here. When he dismissed us, Master Early said, Sensei, can I get a few more minutes with Gully? Well, Sensei, uh, yeah, Mel, go ahead. Let's just say he went up the left side of me, came down the right side of me. Because, one, you didn't cut them toenails. Two, you threw that crazy technique. And three, you told my geek. You didn't have to say it, but I knew why. So every time I look at my gi, I always stop. And it makes me think of, have I done everything to prepare myself for this situation? Because the outcome, because I was too lazy to cut my toenails, and because I did not properly set that kick to retract it the way I should have, I got beat down. And it reminds me of that. You know, I've got, um, we've got a, at Southfield, like I say, I, um, and I, I try to, uh, help sensei when I can. He, he allows me to work with some of these junior black belts. 
And with this, I got the, I got to have this hip replacement soon. So my, my katas look hilarious. And sensei's like, look, it doesn't matter. As long as you can't raise your leg, but if you can kick that person in the ankle, just use your technique. A lot of times in the Southfield Dojo, there's a back room and the junior back belts are back there. And a lot, you know, they're, they're back there clowning and clowning or whatever. And I went back there and I looked and one day I just said, fellas, line it up. I said, first of all, I'm not going to yell at you because you're back here acting crazy and all this stuff. My thing is this, what is that around your waist? What is that around your waist? You know, and they're like, well, we were black belt. I said, exactly. Since they put that around your waist because he felt that you had trained and earned it. I said, so now that you're wearing that, I said, I have this on my waist. I take this responsibility very seriously as a black belt, as a sensei, I take that responsibility. The fact that, that Master Adams, Master Woods felt I was good enough to teach their students tells me that I've got to step it up. I said, the fact that sensei says you are good enough to become a black belt in my school, you have got to represent that, which means that other cues coming in, they need to look and say, okay, those black belts, they're training, they're working hard. This is it. I said, so bottom line, you got to show that. You got to be, that's what I said, is you, you got to be responsible for your behavior. Now, what are you back here doing? You know, so they, they lined up, we started going over stuff and it made them think. They're like, yeah, but yeah, we're black belts. We're black belts. You know, I'm not going to yell at you and scream at you. And, you need to do this. You need to do this. No, I'm going to take it back to your accountability. You are now this, which yeah. means you have responsibility. You are accountable for your actions and the way you are perceived. It's up to you now because you were given this black belt. You don't just walk in and say, here's a black belt. No, you got to earn that. You got to train. You got to show up. You got to learn. You got to, you got to study. You got to get beat down. You know, you got to give yeah. some beat downs. You got to, you got to earn that. And once you earn it, you've got to say, okay, I'm a black belt. That means something just like a doctor. When a doctor gets all those degrees, does all that studying, gets that license, you know, he is responsible now. Yeah. He is responsible. You are accountable for those patients you treat. You are responsible telling them every possible way. Now, medicine is not an exact scientist, but you are responsible for telling them that too. We're going to do this, 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 and this based on what we can do. These are the outcomes we want. This could be the outcome. You know, yeah. I will do everything I can to make sure we get the favorable one. You're accountable. You're not accountable for nature, not, not agreeing with you, but you are accountable for at least telling the person the full brunt of everything. You're accountable for whatever it is that you do in life. Ultimately, you are accountable. If you want to have a good life, you better hold yourself accountable. Because if you don't, like you said, you're going to live a reckless life and then you're going to be that tidal wave that's, that's just wreaking havoc. Yeah. Just yeah. that simple. You can't hold people accountable for things that they is out, outside their control. Right. You know, especially... Um, say physical attributes or, or natural occurrences. It's not my fault. It rains. It's not your fault. It it's rains. Not. If it's raining outside and I'm having a bad day, I shouldn't take that out on you. You That's didn't right. cause it to rain. You didn't cause it to rain. Like, likewise, you had no input on who your parents were. You mm -hmm. had no input on the color of your skin. Neither did I. We were born into our situations. Mm -hmm. We've developed into the people we are because of the situations that we were in and, and the choices that we were made. Mm -hmm. 
the only thing that I can hold you accountable for are your actions. The only thing I should hold you accountable for, Mm -hmm. I should say, as a reasonable person, are your decisions and your actions. And uh, right right now, our country's in a very terrible place because we get these reactionary... Uh, reactionary events happening Mm -hmm. because of media primarily and people not taking the time to to try to yeah get below the the surface Mm -hmm. you know it's it's easy for me to throw something out there Mm -hmm. and you have an emotional reaction and not understand all the the nuances of the situation that that occurs Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's you know, again, we, we live in the United States of America. We're blessed. We are so blessed to live in this country. Mm-hmm. And people have every right in the world to voice that First Amendment, freedom of speech, right? Mm-hmm. I ought to be able to say my convictions to an open audience, just like we're, we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And whether you agree with me or disagree with me, mm-hmm. just just listen. Right. I don't have the right to put my hand on you, but freedom of speech is is fine. And in the in the country today, you know, in in regard to protest, I think that's fine. Yeah. You want to come out and protest? We have problems. That's how you deal with problems. You have to bring them to the surface. You got to expose it. Yeah, you problems it. never never get resolved. This country is far from perfect. People are far from perfect. The world would be a great place if it didn't have people in it. That's you know, true. we screw it up. But it'd be a different place. You know, when when protest turns to rioting, though, and destruction of private property. That's a breakdown of communication. And that's that, a breakdown that, of communication. And you again, have no progress from that. A, the account of the, the business owners that are being affected mm-hmm. and the communities that are being affected by the violence mm-hmm. and, and the destruction had very little, if anything, to do with whatever the, the crowd situation was is at the time. It is. Now, there's been some terrible things happen over, mm-hmm. you know, what the last six, seven, there's been terrible things happening throughout history, but mm-hmm. in particular, the last few months, it's been a lot of horrid stuff, a lot of horrid stuff. And with the COVID situation, people are just on edge. It's a stressor. You know, so everybody's on edge and it it's terrible. But what people, if you're involved or want to be involved in a situation like this, you need to understand you're accountable or should be accountable for your actions. Right. Whether it's the person throwing a brick through a window or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a law enforcement officer knocking down a 78 year old man. Exactly. Yeah, You're for, accountable for, for the way reason. you responded to that. Yeah, the way that you responded. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of full circle to that, to the Breonna Taylor incident, I in no way try to justify the outcome of that, of that incident. Right. But at some point, the, you know, there was a legal warrant issue that had her name, her address. There was no mistake on where they should have been. Mm-hmm. The reason was her ex-boyfriend and their conversations together, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not I'm not justifying any of that, but I take this back to what I said earlier about who you choose to spend your time with. 
Right. Make wise choices. You have to. If you don't hang out with thugs. You you should have less interaction with the law. You know, <laughs> and that you know that goes for everybody. I tell my kids that. You know, I tell my students that. And you know, as a rule, just through through life, you become a sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. You do. You know, they influence you. You do. I've walked away from many friends. I had a childhood friend and I mean, we were tight, man. We were tight as we got older. You know, I grew up on, um, over there at Joy Road, Greenfield, where the YBI started, you know, there was a lot of drug trafficking going on. As we grew older, my friend started hanging with a rougher crowd. I couldn't be around him anymore. And our friendship, you know, we, our friendship, it went its, it went its way. And I regret that, but I couldn't do it. His, his life turned into you know, I, I, I was, I reconnected with his sister and she, you know, I was living, you know how you do Facebook years later, yeah. you try to find everybody. And I had really been looking for him and I found his sister and she told me that he had just passed away from, um, he'd had a heart attack, but the sum of his life involved substance abuse, crime, you know, back then I saw the direction he was headed. And, you know, one of the things we talked, she says her, 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 her parents, you know, she would say, well, maybe if he had stayed friends, because I was always, you know, the straight narrow kid, I was always the serious kid, you know, maybe it could have been an influence. And I think that like, yeah, but at the same time, you can only influence someone who wants to be influenced. You know, right. my oldest son, he, he, he cracks me up because he, um, he had a couple of core friends that he would hang with. And my wife would always say, well, don't you want to invite this person or this person? This? And he's like, you know what? I really don't. He says, because first of all, one of our rules is if we meet you, we want to meet your parents. First of all, I need to know what type of environment my child is going into if they're coming to your house. If you have weapons, are they secured? You yeah. don't got to tell me everything you got, but I need to know they're secured. You know, you know what, what type of substance is going on? Who are people visiting your house? And my son would say, well, you know what, dad, you know, his, his, his mom cusses and drinks a lot and we don't do that. And and then they then they do this. He says, I just honestly, I don't I don't really want those people over. I don't like I don't mind hanging out with them at school, but I don't really want to go anyplace with them because they want to do this. this and that's that's just not what I want to do. And as a result, he kept his core friends minimal. And now he's got one or two friends who he talks to, and he's got his girlfriend, of course. But he knew that he says, I know that I it, it, I gotta keep myself in a position where I'm not involved in nothing like that because it makes me safe. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that. And my other boys are the same way. They're like, nope, nope, this person, they're not coming to our house. Now, my youngest, the youngest twin, that, you ever, I don't know if you ever watched The Mentalist. There's, there's a character named Cho on The Mentalist who's just like straight up, no nonsense. That's my youngest. And he'll tell you in a minute. It's like, such and such and such. No, they're not coming here. If you're in this house, you're like, yo, bro, look, you straighten it up or you got to go. He don't play. He does not play. He does not play. It's like, no, the other twin is a little bit more congenial with it, but he still is the same way. Um, I don't think I want to do that. I'd rather not have this person here. You know, yeah. we don't want to be around them because this is going on, you know, and I'm glad I was able to instill a little bit of, you know, you, you, you got to be accountable for your own actions. You can't control the other things around you often, but you can control how you respond to it and you can control of what you put yourself into to a degree. Yeah. And basically, yep. that's what it, it comes back, bringing it full circle like we always do, which is the point of this. We were blessed to have that core training where we were taught 
that because we're learning, you know, Sensei Phillips, Master Phillips always says that this is a martial art, which means you are learning martial, you are learning war, you are learning violence. So as a result, you have to be able to control yourself because what you're learning is potentially fatal. So you've got to be able to control yourself, you know? So we were blessed to have a system of learning that instilled discipline and it instilled a need for us to maintain discipline, maintain control, maintain order, and hold ourselves accountable so that we can give that to our kids and hopefully they'll give it to their kids. And like you said, one one little lesson at a time, one little step at a time, one little moment at a time, maybe the world can change if we start holding ourselves accountable. Let's stop blaming so much and look at our situations and say, okay, what can I do to change this? And what have I done to cause this? And if I can be honest with myself and accept the fact that we're not perfect, I'm so far from perfect. I always tell people, you think you're perfect? Really? Run across that water. Then we can talk. Yeah. And and hold each other accountable. Yes. You know, we're, we're, we're humans. We're fallible. Yes. But you don't have to be silent, you know, Mm-mm. within your within your circle of influence, mm-hmm. hold each other accountable. Yeah. And that was one great thing we had in the dojo. Like you said, yeah. we were very fortunate to come up in a place where we had a large group of people uh, and of, of a diversity, a very large diversity of cultures and, and people and careers. And, yeah. but, uh, you know, they, they held each other accountable. And you can do that within your family. You can do that on your job site. And, you know, with your friends and school, uh, when somebody makes a mistake, I shouldn't say a mistake, when somebody makes a bad decision, Mm -hmm. you know, when a a conscientious bad decision, tell them about it. Don't have to be rude about it, but just a lot of times, if it goes unchecked, goes unspoken, Mm -hmm. it's encouraging. Right. I, I work with a wonderful lady named Pat Young. And when we finish a meeting, her her final comments are always silence is acceptance. You know, does anybody have anything to add? Mm-hmm. Nobody says anything. She'll say silence is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's there's no more truth than that. Yeah. If somebody does, you know, poor behavior in your presence and you don't check it, you're accepting then, it. then you're acknowledging that that's acceptable. And then you get to a point where that that distaste for that behavior, it builds and builds. Now something sets you off, it triggers you, you respond in a way that's totally disproportionate to the original behavior. Whereas if you just said, you know, case in point, my neighbors years ago, I told yeah. them, I said, guys, sometimes you're a little loud, you know, let's kind of remember. And I, you know, I was like, you know, we're in a neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. Flash forward a few years, hey, Art, we good? Everything okay? Because we, I went to them, as a man, they came to me. You know what? You're right. All right. Yeah. We're going to hold ourselves accountable. Okay. Do they do stuff that I, all the time? No. But for the most part, everyone tries to get along because, like you said, you weren't silent about it. You said, hey, guys, this is this and this. Okay. Now, if you respond in a very negative way and it doesn't work that way, well, now you've become a threat. And as you well know, I will yeah. deal with that threat. Well, however but, that happens, yeah. Now now yeah. we know our boundaries and we may have to right. part company, you know. Yeah. Or like you say, may have to go to work. May have to go to work. <laughs> we 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 don't we don't ever want that. 
and 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 I think that is like the best 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 thing to say. And I actually I think we're we're running we've been running pretty long here. I think yeah. we should we should end our we should end it that way. You know, yep. um, before we do, of course, we always as always we want to give thanks to our masters. Over the years, we've had really m multiple men and women who have just really trained and instilled in us and sometimes beat us down. So we thank all of those from Grandmaster Adams on down, Master Woods, you know, Mrs. Adams, Master Maven, Master Phillips, uh, Miss uh, Sue Stevenson. She used to work with me so much back in the day. Sensei Ellis from the time, you know, Doc Rosma, who is the man to go to if you want those sneaky techniques. You know, all of these people, Master Carl Martin, you know, uh, Master Loveless, excuse me, Sensei Loveless, all of these folks have just come together and given us so much. To this day, Master Early, when we talk, it's so cool. We'll sit there, he'll come in from work late. And he says, you know, I know I'm getting here too late to get on this mat, but I still got to get in here to this dojo because I'm always going to get something. He's showing me there, no matter how high you are. And this is one of the, this is man is in the, in the issue hall of fame and everything. He still holds himself accountable for his training because he knows there, right? that this is how he progresses. And Vince, you hold me accountable. I've, you know, I've often held you accountable over the years and uh, I really appreciate that. So everyone remember Vince's word, silence is acceptance and we don't want to accept badness. We want to hold ourselves accountable and we want to move forward. Absolutely. And I've been very blessed to have so many great people uh, that have helped me along in my martial arts career. And again, that's kind of where we're coming at this from, from our martial arts worldview. Um, and that's a lot of things that people don't get on the, from the outside looking in is the community. And even mm -hmm. within that community, you know, one of the things that I think we're blessed with is that accountability. We try to hold ourselves accountable. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it's my first instructor, you know, my, who is also a family member, my cousin, Bob Steins, who I still train with weekly, you know, now, uh, even though it's via Zoom, but, you know, he's always holding me accountable for my actions and, and my, my decisions. And um, Dole Sieber, same, same thing that, you know, gentleman I train with now in Ishner here in Tennessee, but, you know, we got that base there in Southfield. And I think that's a great place to look at because of the, just, I, it's so unique. I feel so blessed to have been a, a part of that situation there. Uh, such a neat ecosystem to, to yes. be, you know, <laughs> just a great place as, especially at that point in my life as a 20 year old man, you know, coming into that kind of where you're really starting to develop right. your, your, your psyche and your worldviews. It was just really, really good timing. Yeah. So, yeah. Silence is acceptance. We're responsible for what goes on around us. We're, re you know, responsibility, accountability, same thing. Uh, do your part. That's all I can say. Do your part. Silence is acceptance. And uh, you don't have to be a part of the madness. You know, it's, it's geometric progression, right? If I can influence one person and they can influence one person, we can grow from that. Yeah. So that's and really like you say, it's not a sprint. It's a long a haul. Sprint. Yep. One, it's a long just time. try to influence one outcome at a time. Yep. Mm -hmm. So with that, I guess we'll end it this week and hit it again another time. All right, Vince, as always, man, thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a good week. We'll do it again soon. You too. Bye. Train hard, everybody. Stay safe yep. out there.